and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a movie that came out uh, just last month. Um, it's called Sylvie's Love. And Matt's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so this features uh, Tessa Thompson and Nandi Asamwa. And they play a couple of uh, characters living in, I think it's Harlem, in the late 50s, early 60s, New York City. And this story spans, actually, 1957 and 1963. When it opens, it's 1962. Uh, Tessa Thompson's character is uh, standing outside a concert hall waiting for uh, somebody. And then she runs into uh, Namdi Asamoah's character, who she obviously knows. And that then flashes us back to 1957, where the first half of the movie takes place. Uh, then, after the first hour or so, it pushes us forward then back to 1962, back to when they meet up again. And it kind of goes on from there up until through, I think, 1963. Um, and it's just about, it's about those two characters. And it's about um, sort of the, the, the characters sort of in the periphery of their lives. Um, and the love that these two characters share um, and sort of the, the highlights and the hurdles of that love. Uh, and it's... Uh, yeah, and uh, what did you think of it? Well, I think the the movie does a wonderful job developing these two characters, and the the two actors have um, wonderful chemistry and give wonderful performances. Um, particularly, I think uh, Tessa Thompson is is fantastic. Um, the The movie tells this story very very well, and it feels like kind of a throwback to movies from that era, from the fifties and sixties. But obviously, updated a bit with some subject matter that um, perhaps would have been a little taboo at the time, and of course, here we have um, uh, almost a, an entire uh, black cast. Um, our two leads are are, are black, and in a movie like this, um, with two um, lead actors who are African American falling in love, it, it it could not have existed. It would not have been made at that time, and the fact that um, I like the the conceit of this film, which is that it's kind of reimagining a, a film that could have come out at that time, um, but never, but never did. Um, and I think, you know, this character of Sylvie is, is a role model in many ways. And it's a role model that should have existed at that time, um, in film, but just didn't. So I love that whole idea. Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so, one of my um, kind of low-key favorite movies uh, that I've not seen often because it's actually not very readily available, but I saw mm-hmm. it in Turner Classic Movies a couple times, is St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. It's from 1958. And it has a predominantly African-American cast. It's got Nat King Cole, Eartha Kitt, Cab Calloway, Ella Fitzgerald, among others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about... Um, one of the reasons I like it so much is because it's this predominantly African-American cast. And much like this movie, it's not about... Um, you know, the struggle or the issues of racism. Mm-hmm. It's just about, I mean, there's drama in it, but it's about, um, you know, this African American family and their friends and the, and the drama and the issues that the characters go through just, um, by virtue of being human beings. And that to me, it remind, and that's a movie that was made in 1958. And, um, this movie is also in that vein. In that this is a, um, it's, 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 it's an empowering movie in a sense because it is so quietly 
just about African Americans who are going through regular human life struggles and, you know, issues about, you know, or movies about issues are fine, but sometimes you want to kind of a break from that. Um, and this, this is definitely that it's, it's just, um, you're right. It's, it's a stylistically, it's sort of a throwback to maybe the way movies were made, um, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, cinematography is excellent. And the Steckland Quinn does a cinematography and, you know, the, the certain just framing of the shots and then the, the, you know, these, these streets at night with sometimes there's rain and, and on them and you see the puddles and the, the lighting is just great. Um, and uh, Fabrice Lecomte does some of the, the score for this, which, you know, this movie has some jazz standards in it, but also a great score as well. Um, I have to say, so there's an actor in here. So the, the, the guy that plays um, Sylvie's dad is Lance Reddick. And I thought to myself when I was watching it, I'm like, this guy... He reminds me of Lance Reddick. And I wish Lance Reddick would get this kind of a role. Because a lot of the stuff I see him in, he is this very stoic, um, almost monosyllabic, tough black guy character. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But I like, I, I would, I would, I, I always wondered, I'm like, I wonder if he, you know, can branch out from that. I wonder, you know, he's, cause he's got such a presence. Uh, and then, boom, I looked up afterward, and yes, that's him. Uh, and this is such a different role than I'm used to seeing him in. I mean, the thing I think a lot of people would notice him from is the John Wick movies where he plays the hotel manager. Um, so this movie's written and directed by Eugene Ash. Um, I think he's done a great job here writing the intricacies and the back of the characters and sort of the back-and-forth nature of it, of, of their lives and what, what happens to them. Um it's got a lot of funny moments in it, as well as being very serious moments. Um, there's the the there's a, Tessa Thompson by one point becomes a co-producer of a or production assistant a slash producer of a television cooking show, and the, the woman who is the star of it tells some funny off-color <laughs> jokes uh, off the air that I thought were hilarious. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 just a it's a lovely movie. Now I do have some. Some critiques of it, though, but I'll, I'll throw it back to you before I get into those. Okay, um, I really loved the the movie, the the music in the movie. Um, music plays kind of a central role in in the plot because uh, Robert, one of our main characters, is a is in a jazz band, and yeah, there's just a, a lot of beautiful. If you're a fan of the mid '50s, early '60s um, jazz, then there's much to appreciate here. Um, and you're right. The movie looks gorgeous, beautiful set design. I love the house that Sylvie ends up living in. It's gorgeous. It's very mid-century, very modern. mid-century yeah. modern. Yeah. Um, the costumes are all beautiful. Um, good production design. Very good pre- production design. And I liked too. Did you think that they used some stock footage of like some city images and then like there's a scene where he's driving through the country and it looked kind of stock imagery to me, like from the time, but maybe, I don't know, digitally enhanced so that it looked a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I liked that. I, it, it gave a sense of, you know, um, place and time that I thought was really good. Um, but it, it wasn't distracting. It was kind of cool. Um, yeah. I, uh, this is another one of those movies that could have come across as, you know, like any romance, uh, overly sentimental, but they managed to avoid all that. And I love that it, it stays focused on 
the love story, which I think that's when the movie really shines is when these characters are together and working through their issues. Obviously, you know, at this point in history, there was a lot going on socially, politically, um, uh, with, you know, the world and African-Americans in particular, it manages to touch on it, but not focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was a wise decision because I think that's not the movie this is meant to be. This is a, a romance, an old school romance. And I think it does it very well. Yeah. Um, I would agree with all that. The, the, the big thing I thought about this movie when it was all said and done, I felt it was a little too long. And it's just, it's just under two hours. And I, my, my just general sense was, oh, this went on a little too long. And then I was trying to think of, okay, why? Why do I think that? And the best I could come up with, because I was trying to think back, like, okay, well, what would I cut? And I'm like, I don't know if, immediately off the top of my head, I'm like, I don't know if there are particular scenes I would cut. Because even some of the smaller scenes, even though some of the shorter scenes are important to be there because of, you know, of, of character development or furthering the plot or whatever. Um, but I think what, what happens is we know everything that's happening before the characters do. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be what is informing my thought that it's a little, it feels too long. Um, there's never at any point that we are particularly surprised, mm-hmm. right? Uh, even if there's like some revelation, like, there's one particular revelation that, you know, even when we learn it, it's not, I don't know, the way it's handled, you know, we're not shocked or anything. And I'm not saying this movie, this movie's not, I don't know, its purpose is not to shock people. But I think that, you know, th- this is, um, it's almost got a little bit of 80s sitcom uh, to it in that a lot of 80s sitcoms, at least looking back now, center around misunderstandings that are due to lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Now I will say that this movie does very, a very good job at explaining why certain things aren't communicated. Yeah. And so that totally makes sense. And yet (laughs) you're going through much of this movie, like, Oh my God, if they would only have said this, if they would only have said that, or I, you know, we know, we know, here's the thing. We know exactly what's happening. We know it before some of the characters know it. We know how this could all be resolved, if, if only. And then, so we're just waiting. And that's where we spend a lot of the movies. We're waiting for this character to find out something that we already know. Or this other character to find out something that we already know. Or, and then, and then finally it happens. And you're like, okay, this, and then when it happens, it's good. But you're also like, okay, all right. I kind of, you know, was, was, you know, it, it's already, again, it's just, it's, just, we already knew everything. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to belabor that because I don't want it to come off like I thought this movie was bad because I quite the opposite, but I, it did feel a little long to me. And I think that's why. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, there were times in the movie where I felt like this, this could have been a little more tightly scripted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something, I don't know. It just goes on a little too long and you're right. We already know what's going to happen. And I, I, I totally agree with you. Luckily, I mean, the saving grace there is that the, the actors are so, um, likable and the performance is so good, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you're along for the ride and it's, it's never, uh, you know, a chore. No, to watch. no. It's always, it's always fun. But, um, 
But yeah, it is a little too long. Yeah. Um, and I did like something that they brought up because, you know, this is, this is all, we get a lot of jazz music. We get a lot of love of jazz, which I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also thinking to myself, you know, um, at one point, particularly in this time period, this is set in and when it gets to be the sixties, just, you know, I wasn't around then, but my rudimentary knowledge of, of what the music scape was like, I was like, I'm like, surely like jazz has kind of fallen out of favor. Like, um, mm. cause to my knowledge, I mean, but there, and then if finally the movie addresses that, mm. which I was happy to see because that I think would, is pretty historically accurate. And it reminded me, uh, of a, you know, I used to watch old episodes of the Dennis the Menace TV show, um, when I was growing up on, when they were on repeats, which was from a show from the late fifties and early sixties. And I always, I always remember there was a scene where there was a couple of, uh, kind of hippie beatniks that were, um, you know, they had little goatees and they were like, you know, snapping their fingers <laughs> and they were talking about Charlie Parker, the bird, man, the bird, you know, <laughs> and they were obviously there to be mocked. Mm. And so, you know, even, you know, that was, I think, early 60s. At that point, jazz was already something that in, you know, at least the mainstream pop culture was, you know, not fashionable mm. anymore. Um, so that kind of was going through my head when I was, um, you know, watching this and the, the style of music that was big, you know, Chubby Checker doing the twist was a big thing. And so they do address that in this movie as well, which I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, certainly. You no, know, with the the rise of rock and roll in the mid fifties, um, jazz kind of took you know the back seat. But um, you know, throughout the fifties, that was kind of uh, the heyday for a lot of the great um, jazz musicians, and some of the great jazz albums come certainly. from come from the fifties. So, and certainly around the period where the movie starts in nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. So yeah. So you give this out ten. I'm going to give it an eight point five. I'll give it an eight. So our score is an eight point three. It's got a um, on the tomato meter. It's a, from critics ninety two percent certified fresh, and from audiences it's got an eighty percent. I, I certainly think you know if you've got two hours to spare, um, this is certainly a good way to spend those two hours if you're looking to spend those watching watching a movie. Yeah, and this is on Amazon Prime, right? Correct. And free to to stream on Amazon Prime. Yes. So definitely give it a listen. Or watch. (laughs) Thanks. Thank Thank you. you for listening. Yes, thank you.